You are listening to the Advisor Solutions Podcast, episode 62. Welcome to the Advisor Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Finley, president of Advisor Solutions. Do you love to prospect? Do you get to the office and you can't wait to get on that first call? Well, if you're like most advisors and agents, you don't. You probably look for anything else to do instead of prospecting. Does that sound like you? And if so, know this. You are not alone. Most financial advisors, insurance agents, wholesalers, branch managers, and even agency managers don't have a well-thought-out process for prospecting. And they don't even know it. And the reason they don't know it is because they've never really learned a stepwise approach to getting past procrastination when it comes to prospecting as well as knowing how to, how to be effective once they do prospect. In other words, they don't know how to mentally prepare to prospect as well as have the tools and techniques to be successful at it. So what do you do? Well, you have two choices. You can keep doing what you're doing and you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Or you could learn to love prospecting. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to love prospecting so that you enjoy the journey. So if you're ready to learn a process to love prospecting, then stick around. So why this topic? Why would you want to learn how to love prospecting? Think of it this way. Either you love prospecting or you don't. And if you have a way to learn how to love prospecting, and you actually do get to the point where you love prospecting each and every day, what do you think that's going to do to your business? And what do you think that could do to your business over the course of a week, a month, a year? It could be a game changer, wouldn't it? And that's why I wanted to do this podcast today. Because I want you to understand that there is a way to love prospecting. And as a result, you'll have more success than you ever thought possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover three things today. First... How to keep swinging for the fences so that you can start the process of getting back to prospecting. Second, five solutions for prospecting like a pro so that you can overcome common prospecting challenges. And third, what it takes to love prospecting so that you know what you need to do in order to succeed. Now, before we jump into those three things that we're going to cover in this podcast, I need to ask you a few questions. What would your business be like and your life be like if you knew exactly what you needed to do to start prospecting and love it and be successful at it once you start? Would you feel energized? Would you feel empowered? Would you like your business more? And would you apply what you learn? If the answer is yes, then let's begin. How to swing for the fences. When it comes to prospecting, you really have two choices. To do it, and do it consistently, or to not do it. There isn't much gray area here. For many financial advisors and insurance agents, prospecting is a task that a majority of people tend to procrastinate with, even when they know they need to get it done. They also use several excuses for why they're not doing it. And 
about 90% of the time when I hear these excuses, they're the same excuses. I didn't have time. I was too busy. Uh, I'll get to it tomorrow, and so on. Babe Ruth said it best when he said, never let the fear of striking out get in your way. He was known for hitting home runs, and for many years, he was also called the strikeout king. He actually struck out 1,330 times in his career. That's huge. That's a lot of strikeouts. But that didn't deter him from taking the next pitch. In other words, he knew the value of giving it his all by continuing to swing for the fences. So if you're having a hard time getting started at prospecting, you have to keep in mind that it's really just a matter of continuing the process or starting the process to get off that production plateau. And you'll never get to the level of success that you want if you don't get up to bat. If you're not sure how to keep swinging for the fences or how to even get up to bat by incorporating prospecting activities into your day, use the following strategies that I'm about to explain to you to help you get on track. Let's jump in and take a look at several strategies. Strategy one, prospect early in the day. See, when you start your day off by making prospecting calls, you'll start to succeed over time. But you can't succeed if you don't get up to bat. So you need to take this very seriously when I say, if you make prospecting the very first thing that you do in the morning, as soon as you get in and you attach a reward or a punishment system, a reward system like a, a cup of coffee, you don't even get a cup of coffee until you start prospecting. Or a punishment system like there is no coffee if you don't prospect. You're more apt to start. But you need to do this first thing in the morning. <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story about Josh M. That's not his real name. Josh was a financial advisor, a veteran financial advisor that wanted to take his business to the next level. And typically, he would plan out his daily schedule, making prospecting the very last item on his to-do list. And after placing prospecting as his first task in the day, he started placing people into his pipeline. But in order to make sure that he did it, he had to have a reward system to get started anyway, or a punishment system if he didn't do it. And once we started incorporating the reward and punishment systems, it was time to get to strategy two. Strategy two. Focus on each call. Okay, so this is the key. You see, when you focus on each call, all that matters is what is in front of you at any given time. Just like Babe Ruth did with every single pitch. He just focused on that ball that was coming at him right then and there. He wasn't thinking about the last one or the next one. He was just focusing on the current one. And this is the same thing. As soon as you pick up the phone and start dialing, focus on that call when they say hello. And like most advisors, Josh was told from day one that prospecting is a numbers game. I'm sure you've heard that too. The more people you call, the more success you're going to have, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's partially true. What he didn't know was that by slowing down and focusing on the current call, he could increase his level of success even more. And as a professional coach, we role-played. We role-played over and over and over again everything that he needed to know in order to make a better call. And he increased his listening skill sets, and he increased his skill sets of being able to handle objections and so on. But 
what he did was he got present. And I started to teach him a technique called empathetic listening, which is really about helping them understand that you're hearing them. This process enabled the prospect to know that Josh was listening. And by Josh practicing this, it gave him more confidence to establish better connections when he made those calls. So we went to strategy three. Strategy three, be professional. You see, you need to keep in, in good form by knowing what you're going to say and mapping out the framework ahead of time. Don't wing it. And part of not winging it is knowing what to do when you hear objections, because you'll get those. This is very important because when you know what to do, you get better results. Think of it this way. If Babe Ruth was never shown how to hit the ball, he would have never been one of the greatest. In order to increase the quality of Josh's calls, we focused on a technique known as framing the conversation. It's just four steps. Intro, reason, three benefits, and close. And as we worked on those four steps, we also worked on several different ways to handle objections. And it didn't take him long before he realized that prospecting, prospecting like a professional, really meant to be prepared for making those calls, not winging it anymore. You see, the quality of each conversation is more important than the quantity of the calls that he makes each day. And so he started to do that, get better at the quality of the calls. And he started to get better results. And we went to strategy four. Strategy four, know your value. When you know your value, you don't care about people that don't want to be your client. In fact, you don't even want these kind of people, as you know anyway. They'll just be a headache down the road. So what you need to do is know your value. In other words, know what value you bring to your current clients as you're prospecting for new clients. And after a few weeks of starting each day prospecting, focusing on each call and being prepared for knowing what to say and how to say it, I noticed a transformation in Josh's personality. He was actually enjoying prospecting calls. His confidence just kept growing, and it was evident in his voice because his voice was adding elements of confidence every time he spoke to people, and he was adding success. And that is what took him to the next level. Why Consistent Prospecting Works Babe Ruth knew that stepping onto the plate, focusing on the pitch, and putting his heart into the game was the only way that he was going to reach or exceed his own potential. You see, he didn't let labels like being the strikeout king determine his success, and it didn't deter him from getting up to bat the next time. The reason why consistent prospecting works is because it helps advisors and agents and wholesalers and branch managers and agency managers and so on hone in on current opportunities rather than past obstacles. The more you persist and regularly manage your prospecting efforts, the more success you're going to have. That can be a game changer. It was for Josh, and it can be for you too. Five solutions for prospecting like a pro. Before we get into the common challenges and solutions for prospecting, I think we should talk about this phrase that I'm using, prospecting like a pro. 
how does a pro or professional prospect? Anyway, is it any different than anyone else? Or are they just lucky? Well, the answer is no. (laughs) They're not just lucky. They create their own luck by knowing how to be professional. Here's an example. I read a few years ago that Chris Rock, the comedian, every time that he prepares for an HBO special, he actually writes out all the material, then he practices it, and then he goes around to the comedy clubs in New York just to see what gets the most laughs. Then, once he's done all of that, he'll do the live comedy special. He's a professional because he's worked on every single aspect of his material, and he's practiced. That is a professional to me. You see, a professional takes the time to hone their craft. They don't leave anything up to chance. They don't wing it. And they don't hope or rely on luck to get success. Here's what they also do. They have challenges, just like you, just like me, just like everyone else. But they find the solutions to get through those challenges, and that's how they are professional. They prepare for prospecting. And they expect common challenges, but they're ready with the solutions. So let's take a look at five solutions for prospecting like a pro. That way, you can learn to love prospecting. Solution one, the paradox of prospecting avoidance. Years ago, a client explained his biggest challenge while prospecting when he said, quote, One challenge I have faced the entire time I've been in in the business is being reluctant to call someone who I think could be a great client. This is usually somebody I know well, and they're qualified in terms of investable assets. As long as I don't call them, they're still a prospect. But if I call them and they say, thanks but no thanks, then they're no longer a prospect. How do I get over this call reluctance to to call my natural market? Unquote. Well, the solution is to understand what I call the paradox of prospecting avoidance. Actually, you'd be surprised at how many people have this and how many times I've heard financial advisors explain this type of prospecting avoidance. I refer to this as the paradox of prospecting avoidance, which states, I don't want to prospect somebody whom I know is the ideal client because if they reject me, then they won't be my client. Instead, just assume that they will one day be my client. So the paradox is that by prospecting them, they may not be your client, but by not prospecting them, they are not your client and they won't become your client. You see the paradox? (laughs) The solution is that you you have to prospect them and run the risk of the fact that they might not be interested in becoming a client. But you may want to diversify. If you're running into this challenge, you may want to diversify your prospecting method and find another way or additional ways that may seem less intrusive or more personal to them. So one example is, is to design what's called a roundtable discussion campaign. Invite a group of clients and prospects to this open discussion with an expert guest. Maybe it's a speaker. Maybe you do it every month. And each month, Introduce your clients to, to a center of influence that could help them. It could be a, an estate planning attorney. It could be a CPA. It could be whomever you think could help them. And make sure that the clients and the prospects, when they come to the roundtable discussion, they bring a friend. 
And so what you're doing is you're indirectly prospecting those who, who are not clients and you're not helping because you're helping these people get involved at the same time. You see, you're helping them by adding value. Remember, you, you need to have a structured telephone prospecting script when inviting ideal prospects. And the system, the system that you could use, could enable the prospect to come to one of these roundtable discussions every four weeks, every month, and listen to an expert speaker. So once you start doing this, it'll grow. You'll start bringing people in. So if you're running into this, this paradox of prospecting avoidance and you start introducing additional value to people that you know, they're going to show up. See, prospecting, as you know, is a numbers game. But you can't win the game if you don't play the game. Let's go to solution two. Solution two, the art of rejection perception. So for years... I've ran into this challenge that a lot of advisors and agents have a fear of rejection. Do you have a fear of rejection? Most people do to some degree. One advisor put it this way when he said, quote, I've seen a lot of different people in my office, rookies and veterans alike, afraid of rejection. I think most rookies tend to, to take it personally, while a lot of veteran advisors are just out of practice. What can all of us do to get past the fear of rejection? <laughs> Unquote. The solution is what I call the art of rejection perception. You see, the art of rejection perception is a mindset. It's just a mindset about understanding who's actually rejecting whom and why. And why that has an effect on anyone. You see, once we master this, we've, we have unlimited possibilities. Here's a couple of ways to do that. Number one. Understand what the prospect is really rejecting. See, advisors who take rejection personally are, aren't really doing themselves any favor. In fact, they're doing themselves a disservice. The rejection is really about the prospect's perception of what they feel the advisor's products or services can do for them or can't do for them. See, it's about the value that they think or they perceive that you have. And once you understand that, you'll never feel rejected again. Number two, understand how to ask the right questions. Knowing how to ask the right questions creates a powerful dialogue, which leads to uncovering needs and allows you to present solutions. You see, solutions create urgency for the prospect or the client to want to move forward, want to move forward with more business with you. So the important thing to do is just make sure that you understand how to ask the right questions to find the need and fill it. In other words, Help them to go past their situation, the facts. How old are you? Are you married? Do you have kids? How much do you have? That kind of thing. Help them to understand their problems. Help them to understand the implication of not fixing the problem. And help them to understand your value. It's called spin selling. I've talked about that in several podcasts. The point is, when you start to understand how to do spin selling, you'll help them to understand your value. Number three, understand the law of averages. You know, you have no time to focus on non-qualified prospects. You just don't. You don't have time to waste time. And when you understand that your value is high, then you understand that your time is worth a lot and you use your time wisely. If you think about all the people in the city that you're in right now, 
Could you actually service them? Could they all be clients? No way. You don't have enough time. Then why would you ever want to speak to somebody who doesn't understand your value or your services? You wouldn't. So if you use the law of averages to your advantage by understanding that you don't have time to waste time, then you don't care about rejection. Number four, understand who is rejecting whom. Why would you want to waste time and energy with an unqualified prospect? You wouldn't. Why would you want to feel bad if somebody doesn't want to work with you? You shouldn't. And therein lies the basis of creating an unlimited belief system. Because when you have an unlimited belief system, then you don't care about rejection. Because you don't have time to waste time. Let's go to solution three. Solution three, conquering common objections. Handling objections can be one of the hardest things that advisors and agents have to do when prospecting. Years ago, an advisor emailed me with this challenge when he said, quote, I'm starting a new prospecting campaign and I want to be prepared so, so that I can be successful with this one. What would you say are the top two most common objections that financial advisors face and how would you overcome them? Unquote. Well, the solution is what I call conquering common objections. And it seems to me that common objections are timeless. <laughs> I've been in the business for 30 years, and the same objections that I heard 30 years ago, such as, I have an advisor, not interested, I'm busy, they're still around today. And a lot of these objections that I heard early on really come down to maybe five, if that. And it might very well be true that the prospect does have an advisor. That's okay. Actually, you probably don't want to work with somebody that doesn't have an advisor. Or the prospect says, I'm not interested. That's okay, because you didn't give them anything to be interested in. Those two, those two are the main objections that I think most advisors hear. And the solution really comes down to understanding the objection resolution model. It's just a four-step process. Empathy acknowledgement, best question, three benefits, and close. So let's tackle the I have an advisor. This is a common objection. It's probably the most common objection, that or I'm not interested. When you hear I have an advisor, I believe them. <laughs> what you do is you jump into step one, empathy acknowledgement. I completely understand that you have an advisor. Everybody I've ever worked with in the last 30 years had an advisor. Step two, best question. But if there was one thing that you could change about your relationship, if you could change anything about your relationship with your current advisor, what would that be? I don't know. I never really hear from her. Step three, three benefits. Well, that's exactly why I'd like to get together with you because I have a client servicing system so my clients know how often we're going to speak, what we're going to speak about, and what to do in between our meetings if they need to speak with me. Step four, close. Do you have any time at Tuesday at 3 or Wednesday at 4 so I can show you my client servicing system? Which one's better for you? You see, when you know how to do that process, you don't care about objections. In fact, it's just a natural part of the process, and you actually look forward to those. Let's go to solution 4. Solution 4. The secret to cold calling like a consultant. It's no secret that to get new clients, you need to 
make some new calls to new people. But how do you instantly make a connection with somebody when you sound like you're selling snake oil? Or can you make that connection? One client put it this way when he said, quote, I try and prepare myself when, when I'm doing cold calls, but I feel like I'm, I'm coming across to the prospects as scripted. Do you have any ideas of successful ways to cold call without sounding like I'm a telemarketer? Unquote. Well, the solution is what I call the secret to cold calling like a consultant. At some point or another, most advisors and agents who use cold calling as a prospecting method feel like a telemarketer. This is a very natural way to feel because calling prospects with a canned script that lumps everybody into the same category is not a good thing. And in other words, I have a product and I want it, I want you to buy it, basically. And with this type of mentality, eh, it might work well if you're selling aluminum siding or something like that to the masses, but it really doesn't work well at trying to develop a relationship with someone. And I think it's important to distinguish between cold calling and a cold caller, as well as telemarketing and a telemarketer. See, cold calling, when done properly, is really just a form of prospecting in which you're making calls to strangers to introduce yourself and find out the prospect's needs and try to fill those needs with solutions, with your products and services. Now, a cold caller is a professional who is making cold calls. And what they're doing is they're, they're doing a consultive sales approach by trying to find out the prospect's need and filling that, those needs. And they're doing it by asking the right questions and turning it into a dialogue instead of a monologue. Now, telemarketing is a form of prospecting in which one is really prospecting to introduce themselves and offer a product. In other words, a product pusher. And there is little to no regard for finding the prospect's needs. They're just telemarketing. You see, a telemarketer is somebody who basically has a product in their product pushing. And you don't want to be that person. So the secret to cold calling like a consultant is knowing the questions to ask, like I just mentioned, spin selling. Because if you know the questions to ask and know how to overcome the challenges that they have, by the solutions that you provide, well, then you're not a telemarketer. You're just a person that's calling them, not just, but you're a person that's calling them to help them, just like you're helping your current clients. When you do that, you're taking your business to the next level. Let's go to solution five. Solution five, desensitizing phone prospecting phobia. Are you afraid to pick up the phone? Now, you know the answer to that question. Some people are. In fact, more people than you might even realize. There might be some top producers in your office that feel that same way, that won't admit it. Because whether you're a rookie or a veteran advisor, phone phobia is a reality. And it's the kiss of death if you're a rookie. And if you're an advisor and you have phone phobia, well, your business is slowly dying. And here's why because of attrition, because of people passing away, because people getting older. One advisor summed it up this way when he wrote me and he said, quote, I already have a preconceived notion that I'll be rejected the minute that they pick up the phone and say hello. I have no problem calling our existing clients, but I need to build up my book and I'm afraid of failure. As a result, I don't pick up the phone for prospecting. I don't know how I can get past this fear of the phone. 
what should I do? Unquote. Well, the solution is what I refer to as desensitizing phone prospecting phobia. I know it's a long title, but at any rate, here's what it is. The challenge is phone prospecting phobia. Interesting enough, if you have this, you have two challenges. First, you have a preconceived notion that you'll get rejected. And second, you have a fear of rejection. But both of which are causing you to not pick up the phone or phone prospecting phobia. It's a learned behavior of fear of prospecting strangers by means of picking up the phone and calling them. The solution is to desensitize your phone prospecting phobia by using a series of steps, each designed to desensitize you of your fears and get you comfortable with the process. And once you're comfortable with the process, you can refine your prospecting skill sets to get better at handling objections like I talked about getting past rejection, and so on. But the first step is really getting comfortable with being on the phone. Let me tell you a quick story about how I cured one person's phone phobia in less than a few minutes. So here's what happened. Years ago, I was working in a bank, and I remember when I was working in a bank, I I was the financial advisor, had a corner office, great view, and there were six personal bankers right outside my door. They were giving me referrals in exchange. I was coaching them. I was coaching them on what to say and how to say it. But the challenge was some of them were picking up the phone. So here's what I did. I had a session with this woman and I asked her, how is it going? How are you doing picking up the phone and calling people? And she said, I don't like picking up the phone. And so the interesting thing about that was I knew what she had done before she was a personal banker. She was actually a counselor in a men's prison. And I said, when you were there, as a counselor in a men's prison, did you have fear? And she said, no, I was fine. I said, why? And she said, well, because I knew the guards were there and nothing was going to happen. I said, when people come in and sit down and talk to you here in the bank, are you fine? And she said, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. I said, "Well, well, tell me a little bit about why you're not fine when you call people. And she said, well, I can't see them. I can't read their body language. So I said, well, let's do this. Let's do a quick exercise where you're looking at me and I'm looking at you from across the desk. And why don't you tell me a product that you feel is something that you definitely could sell? And she said, home equity line of credit, a HELOC. So that's what she did. She went through her whole presentation. It was great. And then I took my phone and I took the receiver off and I handed it to her. I slid it across the desk and I said, put it up to your ear and do the same thing. She was terrible. I said, what happened? She said, I don't know what happened. I had the phone here and it, it just seemed like I wasn't connected. But I said, wait a minute. So it's not a fear of the phone. It's a fear of plastic. And she laughed and said, no, I, I don't know what it is, but let's do it again. So we did. And she was much better. Then I had her turn her chair to the right and I turned my chair to the right. And she did the same presentation, but she was terrible. And I asked her why, and she said, I can't see you. I said, I'm right here. So she did it again, and she was better. We did that over and over again until it just was seamless. And I said to her, look, you can't see me. I'm just right here. And you're not even looking at me out of the corner of your eye, but you were perfect. It sounded great. So here's what I want you to do. Go back to your desk, call someone, and set an appointment. 
And I showed her exactly how, and that's what she did. And she set an appointment and came back into my office and within less than a few minutes and said, it was easy. And I said, good. And I'd go out there and do another one. And that's what she did. The point is, she was great at it because she got over her phobia of being on the phone. What it takes to love prospecting. So I said we're going to talk about three things in this podcast. First, how to keep swinging for the fences. Check, we did that. Second, five solutions for prospecting like a pro. Check, we did that too. Now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it takes to love prospecting so that you know what to do to succeed. Learning to love prospecting is really all about knowing the process and doing it every day until it becomes a habit. It's that simple. Let me take you through a 10-step process so that you can understand how to love prospecting. Number one, understand the reality of not prospecting. You're going to hurt yourself if you don't prospect because your business is going to slowly die. Number two, schedule a time to prospect. I suggest first thing in the morning. Number three, know what you're going to say. That's so important. You don't want to wing it because winging it doesn't work. Step four, get leverage. In other words, have a reward and punishment system, like a cup of coffee when you start or no coffee if you don't. Number five, start by calling a client so that you get in the right frame of mind. See, if you're calling a client and you feel good, then the first cold call is not so tough. Number six, play a game. Make it easy to win and hard to lose when you start out. In other words, let's say that you actually just make the dials for 45 minutes. You won the game. Number seven, take a time clock to the game. Only play the game for 45 minutes. Number eight, keep score. Track your progress and you'll soon find that what you did the very first day was nothing compared to what you accomplished the very first month. Number nine, be accountable. Email someone so that you can keep playing the game and that you stick to the game until it becomes a habit. And number 10, have fun. <laughs> if it's not fun, you won't keep doing it. But if it is fun, then prospecting is something that you enjoy doing and you'll learn how to love it. So now that you understand what it takes to love prospecting, what's the next step? Well, the next step is simple. It takes about 30 seconds, but it's really it's the most important step that you're probably ever going to take in your business, and here's why. You could either disregard everything you heard in this podcast and keep doing what you're doing, and nothing will change. And that's the wrong step in the wrong direction. Or you could take a step in the right direction, and it only takes 30 seconds or so. And that step is really email me. Email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And in the subject line, just put, let's talk along with a little bit of information about some of the challenges that you're running into. And I'll email you back with a time that we can set up a free coaching session. This is absolutely the right step in the right direction, because if you do take this step, you'll start a process for getting connections, camaraderie, and ancillary learning. And it's probably what you've always needed. And also, you'll finally have the solutions to learn how to love prospecting.
Well, thank you for listening to this Advisor Solutions podcast. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you can listen each week. Also, check us out on the web at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And finally, if you like what you heard and you want to know more about the Advisor Solutions Group Coaching Program or the Advisor Solutions Individual Coaching Programs, please email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. I would be happy to set up a free coaching session if that's what you'd like. Again, that's dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. Please join us next week as we help advisors and agents build a better business, one solution at a time. Thank you.